Okay, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for tuning in. My name is Aaron Eisman, and I'm here with one of the greatest, if not the greatest, podcast producer in the entire world, Mr. Andrew Perlman. Andrew, how are you doing, my friend? I'm good. You're too kind. You're too kind. <laughs> no, no such thing. I'm just, say, just saying the truth. So this week, we talk about the first conversation that God had with the first Jew. And as we know, when we read the Torah every week, and really when we study Torah all the time, we should be studying all the time, we're not studying the Torah as a history book that, that happened back then, but we have to study it as a lesson for our lives. What? Let's, let's dig deep into this week's Torah portion. Let's see how much we can uh, gain from the incredible story of God's first conversation to the first Jew, because it's really to every Jew. So let's dig deep. Here we go, my friend. The portion starts, God speaks to Abraham, the first Jew, and it says, Leave, lech lecha, go to yourself, which we'll come back to in a minute. Lech lecha, go to yourself, from your land, from your birthplace. And from your father's house, to the place where I will show you. And we're going to find out later, Abraham doesn't know it, but he's going to the Holy Land. He's going to Israel, the first Jew, going to our homeland for the first time, commanded by God. But let's try to unpack that verse. Ask me a question. Let me repeat it again, Andrew, and I want you to ask me a question. Go from your land. And from your birthplace and from your father's house, what's the problem of that order? The problem is, my friend, Mr. Andrew Perlman, it's backwards. When you leave home, you first leave your father's house. Then you leave your birthplace and then you leave your land, right? Let's say, tell you, uh, Andrew, let's say God appears to you and I wouldn't be surprised if he does. He says, Andrew, I want you to leave your father's house. I wanted to leave Chappaqua, and I wanted to leave the United States to the land that I'll show you, right? So, so that that would be the appropriate way. You first leave your father's house, then you leave Chappaqua, then you leave the you know the land. So, why did God say leave your father's house? And then, when God is talking to Abraham, God said, "Leave your land, leave your birthplace, and then leave your father's house." It's out of order. It's not the way a person travels. And the answer, my friend, is that. God was telling him more than physical travel. God was saying, as they say, you can take the boy out of New York, but you can't take New York out of the boy, right? Just because you're physically out of a place doesn't mean you are out of the place mentally, emotionally. The values, the, the, the ethics, the morals of a place get seeped into your bones. And the morals of the place of, of your land are strong. The the morals of your birthplace are stronger. And excuse me, the morals of your father's house are the strongest. So when traveling away from the lessons of the land, from the what the perhaps the harmful lessons, right? Not all lessons in our homeland are bad, but there are a lot of lessons in our homeland that are bad. So God is telling Abraham, travel, lech lecha, go to yourself, become who you really are. How do you do that? By traveling away from 
from your land, the, the greater land that, you know, whatever you internalize in the greater land, and from your birthplace, whatever you internalize from your birthplace, and from your father's house, go away from there and go travel to yourself. Be yourself. The first message for the first Jew is be yourself. The land that we live in has a lot of good, a lot of, God bless the USA. We have so right? We have been enjoying religious freedoms in this land that, that I walk around with a kippah, you know, almost not, you know, 99.9% un, unharassed. Occasionally you get a comment from a speeding car, but generally we're living in a free land. God bless America. But there are things in, in a society that we don't necessarily jive with Torah values. And therefore, true happiness, in order to fulfill our mission in this world, we need to lech lecha, go for yourself. And you don't have to actually physically leave, leave the land like Abraham did, but we need to leave the land, leave the morals. If we're going to fulfill our mission and be truly happy, we have to we have to leave our land, right? Just some examples, right? The what the prevalent culture of uh, let's say let's say uh, the movies, the uh, music, and I'll tell you, I'll tell you, I, you know, I don't listen to music. I don't. I'm not a music person just generally, but I, you know, I was in an Uber, and I'm a pretty low maintenance Uber passenger, but I'm in this Uber, and I was coming. I remember. I, I don't remember where I was coming from. I was. I, I was feeling really good. Where was I? I don't remember. I was coming back. You know what? I, I think my, when my wife had a baby, our last baby, she's three now. I think I was coming back in the Uber. I was feeling really great. My wife was in the hospital. I was taking Uber back. And the, the music that this guy was playing, it was like, I, I could not believe that they play music. With, with, I just couldn't believe it. And again, I'm low maintenance. And I... I felt uncomfortable saying anything. So I said, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll get on my phone. I'll talk to someone. Maybe I'll be on the phone. I'll be able to ignore it. <laughs> it was, I just couldn't. Maybe because, you know, I was like consciously, you know, subconsciously, you know. So I said, to, I, said I, you know, you know his name. I forgot his name. I'm like, hey, do you, do you mind, do you mind uh, shutting the music? And he was so apologetic. He was like, whoa, whoa, I'm so sorry. Like, he said, I didn't even, I didn't hear it. Like, and he was so sweet. He was so apologetic. And it was like, just so funny. But it's like, what's, what's standard that, oh yeah, this is normal. Like that you don't even hear it. And I'm blessed to, you know, well, I really, like, I'm into music, but to that, that, that language and that those topics is just like, I couldn't believe it. And, you know, and the, the, the movie industry and the entertainment industry, you know, often I'm on campus and, uh, you know, often we have we have a, a tish at NYU, and uh, you know, talking to acting students. You know, every kid, every student with talent once you know who you know you want to express talent in the world and be an actor. And I've heard numerous times. You know, you, why do you go into acting? Because you want to bring out good messages, you know, value in the world and ethics and morals and bring a good message. But the 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 uh, the the uh, auditions and the what what the what sells is not that's not you know that's not it's like you you want to do something but and then the old tired cliche is well you have to start at the bottom until you could uh, until you could work your way up and but it's so tragic like why can't we just why can't good vibes sell why can't positivity and good values and morals and ethics why does it have to be about 
who knows what we know what it's about, right? Why, why does it have to be so hedonistic and and uh, and 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 destructive, really? You know, I'll tell you an interesting thing. You know, I was once I was once heading to run a Shabbaton in the city, and you know, I have my kids and a million bags, you know, ready to run a Shabbat, and they, they closed the street for a uh, for a, a movie shoot. So I had to park like three blocks away, and I had to schlep my bags. And then I, I was thinking to myself, well, okay, you know, it's a movie shoot. A movie shoot is, uh, you know, it's you know, a big production and lots of people. They have to, so I just left my bags. And then, then as I'm walking, maybe because the bags were heavy, I said to myself, one second, a hundred percent of the time, Shabbat is a good thing for the world. Uh, there's no, Shabbat never did bad for the world. Movies, what percentage of movies bring light to the world? There has certainly been some, but you know, what percentage is that? So <laughs> I'm like, one well, thing, we should shut the street for Shabbat. Like, whoa, hey, there's a rabbi coming with, uh, with gefilte fish. Yo, yo, close, close down traffic. We're doing Shabbat. It's going to light up the world. So maybe that's what rabbis dream about when they, when they, uh, when they dream. So, <laughs> so, so it's an interesting thing. So, so we live in a society or like just something like sports, like boxing. It's like, what? Are you serious? It's like, I, I really think, in a, you know, a couple of years from now, they're going to be like, that was once legal, like to have two people pummel each other and, and, and people cheer. And when someone gets knocked out, it's like, it's, that's like smoking for your soul. Watching boxing is like, it's like so destructive, you know, like, you know, or like clickbait, you know, you see, you know, you, you see a crime. Oh, watch this guy get killed. Or, like these things are so destructive for your soul. And, and you know, again, it, you know, don't click. Like, it, it's like when we see these things, our value for human life, our value for morality, our value for, for just, just holiness and, and, and positivity, it's just, it's just so dangerous. We know the danger of smoking. And it, like, you know, that's your physical lungs, but your soul is, is again, don't smoke, but, 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 you know, also protect your soul. So we live in a society that's, thank God, God bless America, like we said, it's amazing. But there are certain things, lech lecha, we have to go for ourselves for true happiness. And to fulfill our mission, we have to recreate ourselves. We have to say, this is good, this is right, this is authentic, and this is bad. And we need to set an example. And Abraham is going to the land of Israel. This is, this is the land of Israel is supposed to be the beacon of light for the world. And Abraham is coming for the first time. So go to Israel. And whatever you are establishing in Israel, do it l'cha from yourself. In other words, who, who am I? And what is a human being? A human being is a piece of the infinite. As we always say, right? That's my essence, l'cha. L'cha, go for yourself. Go for your, your essence. You're, you're a piece of the infinite. And don't take the baggage that comes along with our society. And again, the, you know, the, there's so, again, there's so much good, but there's a lot that we need to rethink. Am I doing this because this is, this is the right thing to do? It's just, this is what everybody does. This is the, this is, you know, this is, oh yeah, everybody does it, but just because everybody does it, doesn't mean it's the right thing to do. So that's, uh, that's, that, that's, that's lesson number one, becoming a Jew to, uh, to, um, to, reject that which is not in line and to embrace that which is. You know, they say a joke, a beautiful joke uh, about a man who's, a, um, who's in a, uh, he's a janitor 
in a diamond diamond dealership. And you know, he's he's not very wealthy, but the diamond dealers are very wealthy. And every day the rich guys come in, they say, Oh, my my wife made me blintzes last night. Oh, they were such good blintzes. I had jelly blintzes and cheese blintzes and, and chocolate blintzes, and now oh, wow, they were amazing. And this guy, every day he goes, you know, he's like, wow, I, gotta, I wish I had blintzes. And he goes home, he says, honey, can you make, can we make blintzes? She's like, we can't afford blintzes, the jelly and the cheese and the chocolate. We can't afford that. And uh, so she, and it, finally he said, listen, I've had it, honey. I want blintzes. She goes, all right. So she calls up the uh, the rich man's wife and says, hey, how do you make blintzes? And she gives her the, the recipe. And she comes to her husband and says, we can't afford sugar. We can't afford flour. We can't afford jelly. We can't afford the." He said, instead of this, use this, instead of this, use this, instead of this, use this. Okay, fine. She comes and, and you know, the blintzes, he's going to get ready, puts on a suit. He's going to wear, he's going to eat blintzes. He sits down, he takes a bite. He's like, what's the big deal? They're not even good. I don't, they're, they're gross. I don't like them. So what, what happened? He changed everything. And then, of course, they're not good. You can't substitute that. So sometimes we look at the Jewish, uh, the Jewish congregation, the Jewish community of like, like what's going on? So sometimes we fall into this into this rut. We take from popular culture. Say, oh well, let's do this. Oh, instead of this, let's do this. Well, the Torah says this, but you know that's not really PC. So let's instead do this, and uh, let's change this with this, and we sort of make a whole concoction out of Judaism, uh, trying to fit everything in together nicely. And and what you have is it just doesn't doesn't work. Lech lecha, go for yourself, be yourself. The world needs us to set an example of how to be moral, how to be ethical, how to be holy, how to be good, how to be kind, right? We've done it. We've done a great job with welfare and charity and brotherhood of mankind and so many values that were, we take for granted in our society come from the Torah. But the way to continue to light up the world is to, to lech lecha, to know yourself really, because know the Torah and and embrace that which is in line with the Torah. And, and we need to set an example and reject that which is not that which is not in line with the Torah. Two more awesome tidbits I wanted to share with you. What do you say to that, my friend? It's beautiful. I mean, Judaism definitely seems like it exists within diaspora and within transition, within travel. Um, and also it seems like those moments of travel are so imperative to finding yourself and finding who you are and your real true self um so i think that it's a it's a very promising start to the portion i remember when i was when i was in high school um a kid made it's so funny how you remember certain things i was in ninth grade and i went to another high school in denver Colorado. i went to dorm in uh in 10th grade i was too close to home my parents wanted me to grow up a little bit and uh, I don't know how much it worked, but uh, <laughs> I'm still working on it. And I still remember a kid, as I was leaving, I was in, I was actually the, I was like a month into 10th grade. And a kid, as I was leaving, said to me, you're so lucky you get to recreate yourself because no one knows you there. I was going to high school in Denver, boarding school. And he, and he said, you get to recreate yourself. And that sort of stuck with me. And I'm like, wow, that was, that was true. I mean, it's obvious, but it was like, wow, that's so profound. And that's really true. Before Abraham is going to Israel for the first time, you've got to not take the bad things from your society and certainly take the good things. And uh, But and make sure that everything is in line with the Torah as we are establishing Israel, which is supposed to be the beacon of light for the world, of morality, of ethics. And, you know, still today, in, in a lot of ways, it's it, it has it has uh, achieved that 
that goal, and uh, and and we should, we got to keep improving and internalizing this lesson of lech lecha, go for ourselves, to be ourselves, and not be influenced by bad messages or ex- don't not to accept things that are contradictory to the Torah. So that's lesson number one. Lesson I want to get to three. See if we can get to all three uh, because uh, they're they're all awesome, and uh, and then we'll then we'll wrap. So here's number two. Number two is it's a very fascinating thing. God. So again, Abraham, and a little bit further in the Torah, God tells Abraham and Sarah that they're going to give birth, and Sarah was barren. Sarah was ninety years old, and Abraham was hundred years old, and Sarah was ninety years old. Why was Sarah barren for so long? And why, and all the, our foremothers, we find that um, Sarah, Rivka, Rachel, why are, what is the pattern that our foremothers are all barren? So there's a, an amazing concept, my friends. You see, I woke up this morning and I was able to see. Now, if I had said, which I didn't, I should have. If I had said, Hashem, please help me see today. So then my eyesight would have been the answer to my prayers. And I would then have stuck in my eyesight. King David said, I am my prayers. What does that mean? I am only that which I asked for. When I asked for something, I get partnership in that thing. The reason why our foremothers were barren was because God wanted to give them the opportunity to ask for children. Because the more they ask, the more stock they have in their children. It wasn't just a, a gift, a biology, you know, a husband and wife are together and, and the baby's born. It was an investment that said our foremothers put their tears and their heart and their prayers into asking for a child. And therefore, they then have ownership in that child. They're buying stock in their child. It's not just a gift. And we need to internalize that message and become a partner with Hashem by asking, by talking to Hashem. Hashem wants to hear from us. Just because you could see doesn't mean you could see tomorrow, right? Just because you're healthy today, unfortunately, we know that only too well. Just because I was healthy today doesn't mean I'm going to be healthy tomorrow. Just because my family's healthy today doesn't mean my family's going to be healthy tomorrow. Just because I have a job today and parnasa and, and, and safety and happiness, right? Doesn't mean it's going to be tomorrow. And the more I ask, the more I own that, the more I own it. I, I, I own it. I get stock in it by asking for it. So a lesson that we learned from the barrenness of our ancestors is beg cry, talk to Hashem, even for things that we already have. Because the more we ask, the more stock we have. And it's interesting because I remember learning this last year. And I remember internalizing it for a couple of days, maybe even a week or two. And I really tried to ask a lot of things and talk to Hashem and say, thank you, Hashem, for my children. And thank- I started a new custom a couple of days ago when I come home in the morning. My kids are getting ready for school. And I, I give, go to each kid. I give them a kiss. I say, thank you, Hashem for this child, right? And uh, I think it's great. it's great for me and it's great for them and it's, and it's great. But, but, uh, I, but it's, for some reason, it's hard to keep up the habit. I'm not sure why. You know, we go to services and we pray sort of formal prayer, but casual prayer or spontaneous prayer, sometimes, at least me, find it hard to remember to do that. So this is the message. 
Sometimes we're given a hardship because God wants to hear from us. God made them barren because he wanted to give them the opportunity to pray and ask for things. And, and that's, so that's a, just a, a very, very deep idea. Um, okay, you know, we're not going to get into that because that's much too deep and I want to finish up. So uh, maybe remind me next time. But, uh, but th- that's, that, that's a concept. Okay, so that's number two. Number two is talk to Hashem and pray. Ask for things. And then it is yours. It wasn't just a gift that God gave. God gave. You are getting it as an answer to your prayers. Not just things that you are, don't have yet. Even things that you have. For making me healthy, please keep me healthy. And that's, 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 uh, that's lesson number two from this portion. And number three, my friend, we had to finish up. We'll have a couple minutes, but this is uh, this is mind blowing. You ready? So there's a, again, we're skipping around. Please, you know, go online, uh, chabad.org, and and you know, read the Torah portion. But th- these are just three highlights I wanted to share with you. Uh, Ab- there's a famine. Abraham gets to Israel. There's a famine in the land, and he has to go down to Egypt to buy food. And on the way to Egypt. He's about to get to Egypt and he looks at Sarah and he goes, wow, now I know that you're beautiful. And he's concerned that because you're so beautiful, the Egyptians are going to kill me and take you as a wife. And, and they're trying, they're, what are we going to do about the fact that, you know, that I don't want to get killed and, you know, they're going to take you as a wife. Which is, by the way, interesting, based on what we said before about morality. You know, there's nothing in in that culture. You can kill. You can certainly it's you know completely forbidden to you know live with someone else's wife. But murder, okay, you know. So they were willing to kill him just so they shouldn't violate you know adultery. Which is interesting because today, although adultery is frowned upon, it's you know it's considered you know murder is considered much more much worse. And adultery is like, okay, you know, like it's, it's less severe. So it's interesting, and it, or it really highlights the point that we have to have a higher morality code. It can't just be, you know, because nothing's changed. Murder and adultery haven't changed in severity based on Egypt and, you know, American society, right? They, they haven't changed. You know, the, our society's changed. The Torah is unchanging. So we have to stick with what the Torah says, and then we know we are, we are, we are, Sticking to what is moral, right, and lecha, lech lecha, what is really us. So just to highlight this idea, why didn't Abraham know that she was beautiful? Right, they're married. Right, they were married for a long time. Why did he just realize that she was beautiful and then get panicked? Like, oh my gosh, I realize you're beautiful now. How are we going to? save ourselves from the immoral people that are going to kill me and take you as a wife. And actually that's what happened. They came and they took her as a wife, but, but they made up that Abraham said, this is my sister. So they said, so she, he said, tell them you're my sister. They won't kill me. And that's exactly what happened. So, but just to highlight that fact, why didn't he realize that she was beautiful? So listen to this, my friend, and hold on to your chair because uh, this, is, this is an incredible lesson that we all have to internalize. You know why he didn't know she was beautiful? As we said before, lech lecha, go to yourself. Who are yourself? I'm a piece of God, a piece of the infinite. If I have the right eyesight, when I look at you, I don't see a dashing, handsome podcast producer. If I have the right eyesight, I see a piece of the infinite. 
I see you as a piece of God. I see you as a soul. True love, true connection is when I don't see you in your physical form, in your physical occupation. I see you as a piece of the infinite. That's how I see you. That's how I relate to you. Your physical, why, like your physical form, that's the craziest thing in the world, right? It's like, like why if you're right, if you're 99.9% soul, obviously more than that, really 100% soul, and right when you're if you're 99.9% soul and you're 1% body, why would I judge you by your body? Oh, you're you know we do for profession. I'm an engineer. I'm a doctor. I'm a lawyer. Right? We 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 see people. Oh, that's a nice suit. That's a nice face. Right? You're you, we judge people by the physical appearance, but when Abraham saw Sarah, his whole life, all he saw was his soul. This is my wife, Sarah. This is her soul. This is who she is. He related to her as a soul. Yes, she was physically beautiful, but that was so minor. He never even noticed it because that was, the, the, who cares? It's such a minor, minor part of who she was. She's a piece of the infinite. The reason why he noticed her beauty now was because he saw her reflection. As we were traveling, he saw her reflection in the river. And he said, oh, wow, you're also physically beautiful. He had never realized that she was physically beautiful. And that's why now he said, oh, wow, you're beautiful. We got to take care of this. So again, the lesson for this is hopefully obvious. We got to get the right glasses on, see people for who they are, maybe not as holy as Abraham was, but to some extent, not see people in their hedonistic, just physical self, you know, how they look, what they do, how much they earn, what kind of car they drive, but look at people for who they are. And by, by my friend, that is the secret to world peace. The secret to world peace is realizing we're all one. We're all one united piece of the infinite. What do you say, my friend, Andrew? It's, I think, a little, uh, overwhelmingly beautiful. I, it really is a pretty powerful message that to go 90, 90 years, 70 years, however long they knew each other, and always look past the, truly look past the physical form and see what and who she really is and how she really presents is, is really powerful stuff. If I was wise enough, every portion has, uh, excuse me, has amazing lessons, but th this, is, uh, this is a very fun, um, you know, the launch of the Jewish people. And uh, as we want to be successful Jews, um, this, is, uh, this, is our, this, is, this could be our, uh, our textbook about how to reach greatness. This is God's coaching Abraham. We got to take a page and, uh, and, uh, and apply it to our daily lives. Okay, my friend, Andrew, thank you so much. Uh, everybody who tuned in, thank you so much for tuning in. And uh, if you have any questions, you can reach out to me at rabbi at moar.org. And um, thanks for tuning in. We're looking forward to next week, my friends. <laughs>